0: I'm Joyce, the pack leader here at 99Walks, and each week, I have the unique pleasure of walking and talking with an incredible person who shares their tactical tips, advice, and a bit of their personal journey in this unique format. Now, it's not a super polished, professionally produced podcast. It's just a conversation between two people while they are walking that you get to be a part of. So lace up your sneakers and head out the door with us. Hey everyone, welcome to today's Walk and Talk, where our guest is a return guest, Monique Russell, who is a global communications expert, who specializes in teaching women leaders and teams how to have positive and productive relationships at home and at work, using effective communication tools and strategies. She works with all kinds of organizations and companies you've heard of from Amazon, to the world's busiest airport in Atlanta, to the CVC and Verizon and Intel. Um, And hopefully, Monique, you're helping Verizon communicate a little bit better with their (laughs) customers, just saying. And she helps to guide them implementing communication strategies that foster connection, community, creativity, and courage. She is also the author of The Ultimate Speaker's Guide and International Motherhood, who said it would be easy. And the answer to that is not my mother. She's also the host of the Bridge to You podcast, and it's her second time walking and talking with us. So with all of that, welcome back, Monique. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me back, Joyce. It's a privilege to be here today. So I know you've been a guest here before, so many members of our community are familiar with your story, but but those who are not, can you give us kind of a quick primer and background on how you came to do this work? Yeah, so I mean,
1: I grew up in the beautiful islands of the Bahamas, and that's where I spent my first 17 years of my life before I went from there to the cold Minnesota for school. And Aye, yi,
0: yi. Year,
1: yes, oh my god, it was so cold, <laughs> <laughs> but it was good, it was good. And you know, I there I had a lot of different um, experiences, I guess, a number of firsts. I had my first pregnancy there. Um, I had my first undergrad and grad programs there, and that's where I also met my husband. So um, after the school journey, uh, I'd say like the next two (laughs) decades were filled with just numerous experiences, support and leaders in corporate organizations while um, teaching simultaneously at the university in communication sciences, and then starting to freelance in, um, in communications like teaching and speaking and training. So can I actually interrupt you a little bit?
0: Because, Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's sort of the, I don't know, kind of the what you did, but I'm curious, like, why was there a moment where you woke up and you were like, you know what? Communication is everything. Or did you just sort of fall into this path? Yeah, so I started
1: this whole journey, I always say, like, when I was eight years old, I, I did it because it called me, really. Um, mm-hmm. when, I was, when I was a kid, I was so interested in all of the performing arts and the drama and the ballet and, you know, just, just the whole aspect of communicating in multiple ways. My mom, she helped me um, get exposed to a lot of different types of activities but the real reason behind why I chose communications well I'll tell you the first original I wanted to get on TV okay I wanted to be on TV <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing that was the number one I'm like I'm going off to school and I am going to be on TV number one but as I developed in the in the science of communications then I connected with really why I wanted to help people communicate better and it was because while I was growing up I did not feel seen, I didn't feel valued in some spaces, and I felt like I needed to help people communicate more effectively so that the impact of of feeling seen and feeling valued and appreciated um, could be experienced all over.
0: Mm. Thank you. It's always so interesting to me to explore with people kind of how they end up, like what is the calling to do the work that they do?
1: Mhm. Oh yeah. Cuz I mean I know we all want to. We you know when you when you're sitting with someone or you are connected with someone who sees you, who gives you presence, like not just a distracted presence, but undivided presence and you experience someone celebrating you, not for even an accomplishment, but just because of who you are, not something that you you did. It's almost like an unconditional Um, experience once you have experienced what that feels like oh my goodness it's like a catalyst you don't need any type of motivation you don't need any type of accountability it's a it's a natural accountability because I think as human beings we definitely strive for that and we we desire to have that so for me I I experienced it and I wanted others to experience it once I had
0: So would you say that one of the keys to being, and I don't want to put words in your mouth so you can totally say like, nope, (laughs) one of one of like the most important keys to communication is actually listening.
1: Yes, it is the ultimate key because if you cannot truly understand, like not just listening um for what is being said, but I'm talking about the things that are not being said. Because we we're communicating verbally, but a lot of times, you know, most of what we are communicating is nonverbal. It's like, you know, we're 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 on a phone, you can't hear me, but I know when I pick up the phone and I listen to someone and I can hear in their voice, Oh, you're having a great day. Oh, you're not having a great day. Oh, what's going on? I can I can tell. My mom and I we have this thing. I I'm sure you do too. You know, where you get on the phone with someone, you don't see them face to face, but you can instantly tell based on the tone or the energy behind how they're responding, what type of mood they're in or what type of feeling they're in. So I think like listening for what's said, but also what's not being said and acknowledging that space. Like, OK, what's up? I, I you, you sound a little bit off or something, something, you know, it sounds like you're a little frustrated or, you know. What's what's really bothering you? To just acknowledge and give people space without feeling like you have to give advice or correct them. Just listen.
0: I literally had this conversation with my husband 15 minutes ago. So he was in the <laughs> office, I was not uh, because I'm I'm working from home at the moment. And we were talking about a work thing. And within 30 seconds of the conversation, I said, "What's the matter?" Because it's obviously something. Else. Um, and yeah, if you listen to those cues, you hear them. So, this actually raises an interesting question that is something that I have been sort of exploring uh, with my daughter, actually, though she would hate to know that I'm talking about her. But that is, I believe that there is value in kind of asking. Questions, right? If it comes from a place of truly wanting to understand, then asking questions, I think, is awesome, right? That's one of the ways that people feel heard and understood and all the things. But she sometimes feels that that's intrusive. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is being able to ask and then honor or equip equip them with tools that we can respect so similar scenario i know one of my sons the other day he was having a down moment he was trying to get into his class and it was full and he was just stalking the registration page and and I can as one does i mean like literally this guy did not go to sleep he's just like i'm getting in and you know what he got in okay he did so i'm so happy for him but um, yeah, I, I went. You know, I was going over to talk to him, and I can tell he wasn't interested. And I'm like, okay, so do you not want to talk about it right now, or not? And it's like, mm mm. And I'm like, okay, well, guess what? I'm just gonna sit here for five minutes because sometimes you don't even need to say anything; just the presence. Um, I've had that happen uh, several times, where just being in someone's presence, it can com- you can communicate what you what you're feeling. You know, feelings are um contagious really. Mm-hmm. And so he's just like, No, I don't want you to sit here for five minutes what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do, you want to do? He's like, Well, you can go back and do whatever you were doing before and I said, Okay, well, do you want us to continue this later? And he said, Yeah, maybe. So I mean just being okay with it. We don't they don't have to um respond right then and there, but giving them the tools to say, Okay, yes, no, maybe not now. It's all okay um but at least they know that you're there when um when help is needed. So, I mean there's there's other ways to to keep the communication going too. Sometimes when my kids are not ready to just sit and talk with me, I text them.
0: <laughs> I text them. I text them stuff cuz I know they read it. And then they It's respond really
1: that,
0: you know? <laughs> yeah, it's really something uh for a lot of a lot of people uh especially especially teenagers. It's amazing what text has kind of given to them. Um, You know, my mother, who's in her mid-late 80s, texts with my kids. And I, you know, I think back to when when I was in college. I can't, I don't have a memory of ever picking up the phone and calling my grandmother to chat. But my kids have an open lane of communication via text with my mom, which I think is really lovely. that's beautiful that is beautiful I I think it's uh raises an interesting point the story you were sharing about uh your son and I think the key to that is if you are trying to have a conversation with somebody as you were with your son I think part of it is it's a it's got to be about them and not about you right? Like mm-hmm. maybe you really wanted to know what was going on with him or how he was feeling, but if you're going to show up for someone else, then it's for them. And if they're not ready to talk about it, you got to kind of put your ego or your curiosity or whatever's driving you aside, right? And not be the, come on, tell me, come on, tell me, come on, tell me. Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely. you. It, it's like, and when you have both parties being considerate of that, that's when true connection happens, I think, because you're not feeling forced, you're not feeling um, guilty that, okay, you know, mom wants to talk or vice versa. You're not, you're not Mm -hmm. guilting anyone. So you're truly just really acknowledging and giving space and saying, it's okay. It's, it's no different than someone popping over, um, randomly, you know, I grew up in the islands and sometimes we have neighbors come over or people come over without calling. You know, since I moved to the US it's 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 so much different, you know. It's like, you know, you think you better call before you before you come over. But, you know, it's like someone popping up randomly and you're not in a space where you can entertain them and it's like, Okay, not right now. Can you come back in five minutes or can you come back in an hour? Or I'm in the middle of something. It's it's not feeling um Stifled, or or like you're being treat mistreated because they can't accommodate you at that moment.
0: So, yeah. Right. I, so, what do you say to people who say, shouldn't this all come naturally? Why do we have to learn to communicate? Why, Monique, do you even have a career? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Three hundred and fifty-nine billion dollars, Joyce. <laughs> Three hundred and fifty-nine. You, know, you know what billion? I'm saying?
0: Like, isn't isn't communication intrinsic to us as human beings? Shouldn't why do we have to learn and practice and doesn't shouldn't all of this come naturally? Oh my God! I'm gonna flip it on the on, I'm flipping it upside
1: down, and why would we think that? communicating would come naturally when we've been raised differently by different mm. parents our, our experiences are different how we process and see the world is different how we learn is different why would we even think that it should just be easy and natural and everybody should just get it that's what I would say the um, second thing, for real, $359 billion a year is what's spent on conflict in the workplace. And conflict a lot of times comes from misunderstandings and not, not communicating effectively. So we have to learn because we've, we have different experiences. We have different ways of seeing the world, different beliefs and value systems that we were raised with. And I, you know, you just talked about your grandmother and not having a conversation on the phone with her. Well, there, my my grandparents as well. Like there are things that you just never talked about, like life stuff. You just you just don't bring those <laughs> you don't bring those things up. That was the generation that they were in. So imagine if you're growing and you're wanting to learn about life decisions and life choices and relationships and patterns in your family. And there's things that you know at that period in time, kids or younger people you 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 just were not privy to. So you're missing a lot of information about yourself, your family, how you communicate, and then you connect with other people and then um, expect it all to go well. I tell people, look, just expect to have misunderstandings. If you go into the mindset that the, a misunderstanding is the, one of the most common things that you can experience when you're communicating, Then you're setting yourself up for success because you're not walking in with an unrealistic or unhealthy expectation that it should just all be, you know, nice and peachy and rosy.
0: I feel like that lesson, in and of itself, could change so much if you could just if people if people could really shift their perspective to that, saying chances are pretty good that this person is going to misunderstand something that I'm saying. Uh So you sort of start from that place, you know, exactly what you're saying. It's just the ramifications of that actually seem tremendous to me. Uh That simple thing, just like, yeah, of course, like it makes a ton of sense that I'm going to be misunderstood or that I'm going to misunderstand you. So we're going to start from that place and we're going to work through that in some way that I don't know yes. how but you would teach <laughs>
1: <laughs> You know what it's like it's like walking we're walking right so it's just I think pre it's the prep work that we or the prep the pre-information before you begin a journey so you're setting that person up for success so you're walking and guess what you can walk barefoot but if you're going to walk for 10 miles barefoot you're going to get some blisters. Chances are. So like prepping them for what, it, what is normal or what could be, what is to be expected. I think that just sets everybody up. So, but we yeah. do it in so many other industries and so many other areas of our lives. It's like, okay, you go to college, here's what's going to happen. You know, you have a mm-hmm. baby, you get married, chances are, yeah, first two years you may or may not like each other. Huh. It's okay, it's normal, <laughs> you know. Whatever. So you're prepping and you're given sort of this like pre information. And I think when we're communicating we need to do the same. It's like, all right, you you have different lenses, you have different experiences, you have different worldviews, different beliefs. Chances are you're gonna you're gonna have some confusion. So become like an investigator, be curious, ask questions, listen, truly listen. If you don't understand, say you
0: don't understand, you know. I want to change gears for a minute because whenever you and I chat, it goes really, really fast. And I want to be sure that we have a couple of minutes to talk about intentional motherhood. Yeah. Why? Why the book? <laughs> oh, my
1: gosh. So I, I, I feel like this is my most... um proud body of work the thing that i'm I'm most proud of because and, and it actually connects to what we're saying already joyce because i knew that there were conversations that my parents and grandparents couldn't really have when it came to parenting when it came to you know connecting and managing in the workplace relationships and even dealing with my own father who i met when i was eight years old um the journey about you know that whole process and so I wrote the book first and foremost because I said, you know what, I am going to put into print my perspective on what what I feel intentional motherhood and intentional parenting is all about so that the women in my family, the men in my family will have this sort of blueprint or they have, you know, direct from the horse's mouth, if you will, um, than then someone putting the narrative together for me. So I wrote it first for the people in my family um, because I feel like it was essential and especially with all the experiences that I've had training and coaching um, leaders and individuals. I'm like, okay, I I see so many patterns here. And then Mm -hmm. when I did that, I said, well, this is actually helpful for everybody. (laughs) And so (laughs) that is how it, you know, it expanded, but it, the initial desire Um, I was like, yeah, this is, this is something that I want to do because to your point, like there's some conversations where with my grandma, my grandparents, um, I didn't have, and I wish I did.
0: It's so interesting. I think that when you write from a place of, of course, honest communication, but also with that level of heart and writing for people you care about. Even if you're writing something that you intend for a larger audience, if you feel that kind of personal connection or purpose in creating the work, I think it it reads, like it feels different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's how it feels to me. I I feel like they like it is literally a piece of me. It is me. Mm-hmm. It it is me in print. And you read it, you will feel it. You'll feel it, you'll feel the raw honesty, the emotions, the truth, because you know i I really had people in my family in mind when I was writing, like I was writing demo uh, oh, okay letter.
0: i have so like I have to ask this question, so you wrote it with them in mind, and then you put it out and they read it. Mm-hmm. How was that experience? Were you sort of like waiting for the feedback? Was there something? You wanted from them, no, I didn't want anything. I wanted to share. <laughs> I just wanted to share what I knew,
1: what I learned, so that they can have the tools um and But the beautiful thing is, after that, people read it, and they didn't you know it's one thing when you are growing up and you know someone in your family as the younger version, but now you're an adult and they just see you as an adult and they don't know that that gap in between of you know who you were as a young younger kid and who you are now and what you have done or experienced to get where you are so for a lot of folks they were they were informed about some of my mm. journey and some of my experiences and also some of the stories about what I experienced they were able to see how i perceived it or how i how it impacted me as a young girl so it it just I just think it created even more opportunity for closeness and, and they love it. I don't, I don't have, I haven't had anyone had questions like, or um, anything out of the ordinary to say.
0: Were there members of your family who were like, I, I don't remember that going down that way, that happening that way? No, that's really interesting. But that's interesting too, right? That's part of this, the whole we were talking earlier about the idea of miscommunication. And uh, I think there's also a big element of uh, different memories or perspectives on things that happen. You know, memory is such a finicky thing that I'm, uh-huh. I, there could be opportunity. Or, instances right where you relate this situation happened this was my perspective on it and somebody else who was went through the same experience side by side with you is like oh i don't remember that exactly that way well, I think that's really the, interesting, too. The beautiful thing about
1: the book is that it's so much with intertwined with my personal stories and my work experiences that it's hard to dispute my own experience <laughs> to dispute my own experience. But the only thing I'll say during the process of writing, of course, I you know connected with my mom during the process, and there was some stories in the original original, that she was like, "Ah." No! I'm like, this is my story, okay? This is my story. And so um I tweaked, you know, I I did make a few slight edits um at her request. Um
0: but But I think I think it goes to what we were talking about earlier, which is of course people are going to uh miscommunicate in the same way that people are gonna remember things differently and I think you need to honor their, you know, you often hear people going like, no, it didn't happen like that. No, I don't remember it like that. And you can get, you can see people, or maybe you've been in those situations, right? Where you get into like a little back and forth about whose memory of a situation Mm -hmm. is accurate. And Mm -hmm. a little bit to your point, like, does it matter so much? Well, um,
1: the accuracy piece, I would say if we're prioritizing, it 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 doesn't. What matters is how each person experienced it, what it made them feel, and how it impacts our connection now. Right? Exactly. So I'm I'm good. If if this is how you experienced it, then I'm gonna acknowledge that
0: because that's how you experienced it. I can't I can't argue with your experience. You know I can't do that.
1: So, that
0: exactly my point. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. Um. I don't think so. Uh, you have some experience with, I'm looking for the phrase, learning communities. Hmm. Yeah. Let's definitely. talk about learning communities. Because, um, so, you know, we're grown people, don't we? Can't, can't we stop learning? <laughs> we can't. Do, really <laughs> do I really have to keep learning? <laughs> We can
1: stop if we want our brains to shrivel up and you know, like, (laughs) and not stay active. We can certainly do that. But um, I love learning communities because I think we're not islands. And every time, Joyce, every time I level up, I don't care what it is, I I trace it back and I see how powerful being in a community at that point in time was for me. Even just like in in business, in business, you know, in finance, in you know, caregiving, in and health and fitness, you know, I go to my Zumba class. I have a Zumba community. So I think that in the in the workspace, sometimes we don't see the value of what's already working externally. Um, But learning communities, even in the training industry, you know, I'm I'm connected with the Association. training and development but small learning communities are are critical they are able to help us really build accountability and connect and have deeper bonds feel like we are belonging you know and then we're learning whatever it is that we care about so I say care about what we care about (laughs) and put it in a learning community where it's not the traditional um sales or marketing or technical topics but bring in things that as human beings overall like parenting you know and caregiving you know we're in the sandwich generation right so Indeed. some of us are taking care of our parents someone taking care of kids so
0: that's a topic that is a topic so yeah so i oh my gosh we're almost out of time but i'm i'm going a little bit over because i can't help myself so Uh, You're, I'm sure, well-versed in the loneliness epidemic and how lonely and disconnected many people feel right now. And what would you say to people who are listening to you and thinking, I would love to be part of that kind of community. And of course, we're all about that around here in the work that we do. But like, people have trouble, especially as adults. Tapping into, connecting with, finding those kinds of communities. Any advice?
1: Mm-hmm. You are so right, especially as adults, because it's almost like you've gotten turned off from experiences or you feel a little bit more reserved. But start with stuff that something that you want to learn. Um, start with something you want to learn. and Because when you go with that learning mindset, the motivation behind you wanting to learn about it, is going to keep you there so you won't go for the first meeting and be like okay i'm not going back (laughs) your curiosity and your desire on something that you want to learn i don't care if it's you know um, basket weaving whatever gardening Uh, start with something you want to learn and look for groups meetup meetup meetup.com is a great group um, a great platform i should say to look for groups or eventbrite Com, com search for your topic of interest and see what's nearby you can also look at Facebook groups although some people are like I don't know about that
0: yeah in order in order to, to do that to make that leap it seems to me that you have to be willing to accept two things the first is you have to be willing to suck at something. And the second is you have to be willing, because if you're learning, if it's something that's unfamiliar to you, you're not going to be good at it. That's kind of the point. And I think we have to be more accepting of ourselves if we're going to learn something new and take on a new challenge, that we're not going to be good at it to begin with, which makes the second part of what I was going to say, you got to be willing to be uncomfortable.
1: Yes. Yes, you have to. And guess what? If that's too hard, you can do the reverse. Think about what can you share? What can you teach? You can get into community Mm. by teaching something as well. How can you give back, you know? Um, So you could start there. Or volunteering. And that way the volunteering won't seem as so much of a commitment. You can start small. You know, the goal is just to start small. Take action. Um, Do something that you, you know, can connect with others in an environment where, you know, you don't feel like you're standing out or not standing out, but like you're not you're not gonna be ostracized or feel like you're not gonna fit in because you don't know. Because I think people people are afraid to your point of of feeling like, oh I don't know.
0: But we don't have to know. And there's one last point on this that I would like to make, which you can tell me if you would agree or disagree, but I believe that there are people walking around who believe that other people feel totally comfortable walking into situations where they don't know anybody
1: yep i do but
0: but it's just not true you walk into a room full of people and you don't know anybody and everybody is immediately back in middle school and i think we just have to accept the fact (laughs) that that's uncomfortable and the people for whom it looks comfortable Frankly, are just better at faking it. No, nah, so just not. Nah, just I don't show up so. and try it. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> don't think so? Yeah, I,
1: no, I like I've gone to a whole new country and spent like almost a month there in Kenya in April. I knew no one, absolutely no one. And I loved it. I walked away with lifelong friends. I made meetings. I even brought somebody on my podcast. No,
0: I love it. <laughs> well, <laughs> And then do not think know. about that experience. No, but I still, I, I, I worry that people think, well, those situations make me uncomfortable, so therefore there's something wrong with me, therefore I shouldn't do them. And maybe, those, maybe you're sort of an outlier on that, but I think that feeling uncomfortable when you go into an unfamiliar situation is kind of typical, it's kind of normal.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're going to be hesitant. You're going to, just because you're going into something new, but, I mean, embracing that, for me, it's exciting. I love it. Um, I've done it hundreds of times, and I'll continue to do it. I can go down the street in a restaurant and start talking with somebody that I don't know. But, again, that could also be cultural, because in the Bahamas, I mean, you can strike up conversations with anybody, anywhere. You don't even have to know. You can walk out with a phone number of someone just friendly. You know, and some places are like that. So, I think that it 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 is in influenced by maybe the experiences that you've had, your your communication style, your personality. But for sure, um, we exist. There's a lot of us out here. That's
0: <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> it's interesting because it sort of brings the conversation totally full circle around i guess that just goes to different people's communication skills and different people's comfort levels and and how you've been socialized and i guess a little bit of how you're wired yes
1: 100% 100%
0: so monique if people want to learn more about the work you do if they want to explore working with you to develop their communication skills find your books all the things where are the best places in the interwebs to find you you can go to
1: clairecommunicationsolutions.com or monique and i'm always on linkedin that's my platform of choice not facebook choice but <laughs> you know <always good. laughs> so linkedin i'm hanging out there a couple times a week so would love to
0: connect with you Perfect. We will share all of those links. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I appreciate it. Same here. Thank you, too.
1: Have a wonderful
0: day. Thank you for joining us for today's Walk & Talk. Catch new episodes featuring inspiring guests every week and all the places podcasts live. Until then, I wish you happy trails.